You guys, it is hot and sweaty singing in a mask. I do not enjoy that very much. But I did enjoy worshiping with you guys this morning. You know, I, uh, Shauna told an embarrassing story, and I just, I love embarrassing stories. And I, I find myself pretty embarrassing more often than not, uh, especially at how often I catch myself telling my kids, uh, starting a sentence with my kids, like, well, when I was a kid, right? You know, when I was a kid, right over there, a kid named Jamie beat me up, right? And kids roll their eyes. Or when I was a kid, that building you see right there wasn't there. Like, for, to me, that's interesting. But my kids think, Dad, you're kind of boring. I don't even know why I tell them these things. You know, why I'm always wanting to say when I was a kid. Because they just, they don't, they don't care, right? They don't care at all. And so much of what I learned when I was a kid uh, has just become completely irrelevant now. I spent a lot of time learning to write cursive. I, other than my signature, I have never used it anywhere. Um, I learned that before you returned your movies to Blockbuster, you had to rewind them, right? Because you would get an extra charge if you didn't rewind them. Our house, we actually had a separate device to rewind the VHSs beside the VCR. It was faster. Uh, man, I spent what felt like countless hours learning how to stop, drop, and roll, right? Like, I was convinced it was just a regular occurrence for people to catch on fire and have to figure out how to put it out. You guys, I learned a lot of irrelevant things when I was a kid, but there are some things that I learned, things that my parents taught me, things that I learned up in Kid City, things that I learned in youth group that even now hold true. Like, you shouldn't just work hard when people are watching or how our words are powerful and have the power to hurt or to heal. Or that everyone, healthy or sick, rich or poor, yellow, black or white, they are precious in his sight. Everyone deserves dignity. And some things you learned a long time ago, even now, after all this time, still hold true. And, and that's what this, this message series is, that we're in is all about. These ancient stories, stories about these ancient people like King David and Jesus and Peter and Paul, they, they still matter. The lessons and the messages that they scribbled onto parchment and put into the hands of messengers still matter. Even now, in a world that these people would not even begin to recognize, their words guide us towards the unchanging truth about our Creator and about creation. And even now, these truths help us to lead fuller lives. Which is good, because sometimes we encounter, I know I encounter problems that I just don't know how to solve on my own. I don't have the experience or the knowledge to know what to do next. And I'm sure you've been the same. Have you ever had a problem that was so big that you didn't know where to begin solving it? Or like a, a mess that was so large you couldn't even imagine uh, how to possibly clean it up? I feel like this every single time I walk into my kids' bedrooms. Right? It's disgusting in there. Somehow there's ketchup on the ceiling. And there's, you know, clothes hangers hanging up unused, but sweaters all over the floor. There's a destroyed remote control car that somebody took a hammer to to find out what was inside. Like, I, I look in their rooms and I think it'd be easier just to board up the doors and sell the house, right? Other, instead of trying to clean up their rooms. None of us are strangers to big problems that we don't know how to solve on your own. And sometimes they're little and easy, like cleaning up a bedroom, but sometimes they're bigger. 
and harder, more complicated. Maybe you're looking at the money that's coming in and the bills that have to be paid and there's just not enough. And maybe it's a diagnosis you receive that you that just changes everything for you. Maybe you've dug yourself into a hole with addiction so deep that you don't even think there is a way out. Or maybe this last year of pivoting over and over has drained all the energy that you have and you have nothing left in the gas tank. Today we're going to look at a story. A story about Jesus and his disciples facing an impossible situation. And a problem that had no good solution. Something beyond their skills and abilities. And as we talk about this story, we need to remember this this important thing. That the people in this story were real people. That means real people with real doubts and real weaknesses. Real people who struggled with their faith. Real people who screwed up and messed things up just like you and me. And I think sometimes when we talk about these stories, we, there's this temptation to heroify the, the characters in the story. We put them on a pedestal, we call them saints, and they become this unattainable standard of living that we could just never aspire to. But that is just not the case. They were real people, like you and me. And the truth is, it could have been you or me in these stories. And even Jesus struggled, right? He wasn't bulletproof. Everything wasn't easy for him. And today at the start of the story we're going to talk about, it starts with Jesus having a pretty bad day. He is exhausted and he is heartbroken. Matthew tells us that Jesus had just found out his cousin, John the Baptist, had been killed by Herod. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. And here we should pause. Jesus has lost a close friend. And Matthew doesn't really spell out all the details for us, but it is safe for us to assume that Jesus experienced the normal and expected range of emotions that you would feel losing a friend. And he, you know, he he was grieving. He was suffering. He was in sorrow. And he tried to carve out a bit of time to escape the crowds, to escape his, you know, the, the, the rush of his life and, and to, to deal with those feelings. And I'm always encouraged when I'm reminded that the Jesus of the Bible is a real feeling, hurtable human being. And it's comforting to know that God wasn't satisfied to sit above the human experience, to sit above what it means to feel sorrow and pain and loss, but he chose to dive right in to the hard parts of what it means to be a human. God is not ignorant of what it means to hurt, what it means to lose, what it means to experience loss. And sometimes it can be difficult to relate to the all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present God of the universe, but in Jesus we find a very relatable person. I see you and I see me in the person of Jesus and so Jesus was trying to you know, get away from the crowd to catch his breath. And uh, the crowd wasn't going to let him do that. And, and they, they chased him down and, and the crowds found him. And instead of being angry or annoyed like probably I would be, Jesus took compassion on them. And he chose to heal their sick and to be kind to them. Jesus was doing Jesus' things. And when he does stuff like that, crowds grow. And this crowd grew bigger and bigger. And we're talking thousands of people big. And so big, the disciples began to worry. 
How would all these people get fed? Where were they going to spend the night? We've brought them into this remote place with nowhere to sleep and no food. What are they going to do when they find that out? And skip the dishes doesn't deliver in ancient Israel. (laughs) That's just like us sometimes though, right? We do this. We can turn a good thing into a bad thing really quickly. We can be so focused on the problem that we miss the solution that's right in front of us. When, uh, when I was a rookie, uh, I went to my first car accident. And, you know, when you respond in a fire truck, it's full of all kinds of tools that are designed to get people out of crushed vehicles. And it's so cool. And uh, all this power. And I'm going to my first accident, and I'm walking towards the front door, and I see the patient. He's stuck in there. And we need to get in and help him. So I pull up my window punch to, to smash the window so I can get access to the patient. And just as soon as I pull it out and I'm about to use it, my lieutenant says, no, stop. And he reaches down and he opens the door. (laughs) I was so focused. I was so focused on the problem that I missed the easy solution. And disciples in our story, all they see is the problem, right? They're only looking at what they don't have. Only looking at what they lack. And so they're getting worried, and one of them musters up enough courage to talk to Jesus about it. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. They're saying, Jesus, this, this problem, it is too big. We do not have the ability to take care of these people. We just don't have enough resources. We need to send them away. We, we can't do it. And we do this to Jesus all the time, too. We tell him what we think is possible. We tell him what we think should happen. We tell him how we would manage the problem. And the disciples tell Jesus that they just can't solve this this problem, and so they need to send the people away. Jesus, we can't do it. There's no way. And then Jesus says to them, that's not necessary. You feed them. I hear what you're saying, guys. I I understand what you're saying, but why don't you just feed them? You give them something to eat. I'm sure Jesus is being sassy here. And later on, John would reflect on this day, and he would say, for he was convinced that Jesus was testing them with this challenge. This is a thing Jesus did often. He wanted to teach his disciples how to fend for themselves, how to do for themselves, and he wanted to empower them to act in faith. This is what a good leader does. He empowers his people to rise to the day. Jesus knew that they didn't have enough to feed all of those people. He, wasn't, uh, he knew that they didn't have enough food. And so one of the disciples speaks up, uh, gets enough courage to kind of correct Jesus, right? Like, I know you want us to feed him, Jesus, but we have only five loaves and two uh, fish. Five loaves of bread and two fish. But Jesus, there are thousands of people here, and all we have is this basket scraps. Man, if, I, if I'm honest with you guys, this last year has me feeling sort of like all I have left is a basket of scraps. I have been pushed and pulled in so many directions. Nothing has come easily. And things that were once really rewarding just kind of turned into burdens. I know some of you feel this way too. You've given so much more than you've received. And having kids at home I'm telling you, I know it was hard, you guys. 
Work has been more difficult than ever before for you. Life-giving relationships became strained. It's been tough slogging. And now today you're sitting here in this room or at home with your basket of scraps trying to figure out how you're going to face the day. How you're going to lead your family when it feels like it's falling apart. How you're going to survive your soul-crushing job. How you're going to make ends meet. How you're going to mend that broken friendship. We don't have enough time. We don't have enough resources. We don't have enough energy. All we have is this basket full of scraps. I shared this thought during a prayer time last month. We, the staff team for Fort City meets with our friends from YWAM every Wednesday to pray together, pray for each other, and to pray for you. And I brought this up, and, and we were talking about it, and uh, my wise friend and Métis elder, Steph Manili, <laughs> my wise friend, Steph Manili, stopped me. And uh, she said, Lucas, you're wrong. Your basket isn't full of scraps. You have exactly what Jesus needs you to have. It's a a lesson I'm never going to forget. And it's a lesson that Jesus is about to teach these disciples. But Jesus, they said, all we have is this basket full of scraps. And so Jesus says, bring them here. And he said, then he told the people to sit down on the grass. And Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish. And he looked toward heaven and he blessed them. And then, breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. And they all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 men were fed that day, in addition to all the women and children. It was a miracle. And I want you to imagine for a second, I want you to imagine that you're in this story. That, let's, let's imagine that you're Peter, and, and Jesus gives you this basket full of scraps. And you look at Jesus, and you look at the, the fish and the loaves, and you look at this mountainside full of people. You know it's not enough. It's not even close to enough. How is this going to work? And you're full of tension and fear and, and scarcity, and so you take this basket of scraps And you turn from Jesus towards the first person and you offer them some food and they take some and you slap their hands and say, that's too much. This has to to feed everybody. That's too much. Just take a little communion-sized portion. But then something happens. There's more bread and there's more fish and each person you go to is able to reach into that basket and take out exactly what they need. Somehow, When Jesus gets involved, not enough becomes more than enough. Where did this miracle start? Was it when Jesus prayed, when he looked up to heaven and he prayed for the fish and the loaves? Did it happen when it was in his hands, when he was holding that basket full of fish? The miracle didn't happen in Jesus' hands. It happened in the hands of the disciples when they took that basket of scraps in obedience from Jesus and turned towards the crowd, suddenly a miracle happened. As foolish as they felt offering scraps to a multitude, they were obedient. This morning you might feel like all you have is a basket full of scraps, but Jesus is in the business of turning not enough into more than enough empty into full. 
And this miracle, just like in the disciples' case, it doesn't happen in his hands. It happens in your hands. When you hold out in offering all that you have and give it to Jesus. And the lesson that these disciples learned is alive and well for you and me even now. We cannot do it on our own. Our problems are too big. Our solutions far too small. But if we trust in Him, if we bring what we have to the table, it becomes more than enough. So today maybe you're running on empty today. I I want you to know He wants to fill you. Maybe you're exhausted today. He wants to give you rest. Maybe you feel like you've nothing left to give this morning. He wants to bless you. And Jesus wants to turn your basket full of scraps into a basket full of faith. And, and here's the thing. I think sometimes we read these stories, these miraculous stories in Scripture, and we hear them preached, and, and we think, wow, Jesus really did some awesome things back then. He really loved to do those things in the past. But listen to me, this is so important. These stories aren't stuck in the past. These stories are for the present. This is supposed to be my story and your story. This isn't who Jesus was and what Jesus did. This is who Jesus is and what he does now. Today. Jesus is the provider who wants to provide for you. Jesus is the healer who wants to heal you. Jesus is the comforter who wants to comfort you. Jesus is the savior and he wants to save you. Jesus is the host of heaven and he wants to empower you with his spirit. You know, that day Matthew tells us that everyone ate, that everyone was satisfied, that there were so many leftovers, no one went hungry. And not just that, but once everyone was done, they collected 12 basketfuls of leftovers. What was not enough in the hands of the disciples became more than enough when they trusted Jesus. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up as we close out our service today. What was enough in the hands of the disciples became more than enough when they trusted Jesus. This morning as we finish our service, we're going to move into a a moment of worship and and prayer together. And there are three ways that I want you to consider responding to today's message during this service. And I say responding because we don't want you just to come to church and learn more about Jesus. We want you to come to church and experience what it means to know Him. And so first, this morning, if you've never made the decision to follow Jesus before, you can decide to do that today. It's not always easy following him, but I promise you, it is always an adventure. And the best thing about Jesus is you don't have to pretend to be something that you're not. You don't have to pretend to be better than you are. You just have to decide to follow him and take that first step. And second, some of you today, you're listening, you're like me, and you are exhausted. You are drained. You are empty. And in a minute, I'm going to pray for you and that you would be filled with the Holy Spirit, that you would experience the peace that comes from trusting God and bringing whatever it is you have to him to see what he would do with it. And third, the miracle happened in the hands of the disciples. 
when they gave what little they had to the people on the hillside that day. And what you have might not feel like much, but when you give it in service of God's kingdom, when you give it in service of other people, God multiplies its reach. And we believe, and I hope you believe, that what we do here at Fort City is important. Now, the people we serve, the lives that are changed, matter. And so I want you to consider serving on one of our teams. And come and talk to me after the message, and maybe we can find a way for you to be the miracle in somebody else's life. I want to close with these words, that you may not forget them. These stories. This isn't who Jesus was, and it isn't what he did stories are who he is now and what he wants to do now in your life. He still provides. He still empowers. He still heals. He still loves even now. Let's take a moment to pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your faithfulness to each and every one of us. That you have invited us into a relationship with you that is incredibly fulfilling. And Jesus, for those in the room today and watching online that have never made that decision to follow you for the first time, we ask you just to draw them towards yourself. And if that's you, just take that step of faith and decide to follow Jesus right now. And for those in the room and watching online that are feeling exhausted, like you have just basket full of scraps. I want to pray for you now. And if you want to see that basket overflow, I'm going to ask you to do something really weird and maybe even a little cringy. I want you to put your hands out in front of you like this. Let's pray that God will fill us. Jesus, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you have promised us life abundant when we follow you. And Jesus, many of us are coming here to this place today and in this moment we are tired and exhausted and we feel like we don't have enough there's not enough time, not enough resources, not enough energy, Jesus. We bring it to you, whatever it is that we have, knowing that it's enough for you, that you have given us exactly what we need. Help our lives to overflow with your love and your grace and your hope, Jesus. Fill us with your Holy Spirit to overflow in. Jesus, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you are faithful to do the things you have promised to do take this basket full of scraps and turn them into more than enough. Pray this in your holiest of names. Amen.